This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertighese, and thank you for joining me. As always, week five of the college football season in the books. Recording this right before Sunday night football is set to kick off with the Kansas City Chiefs and the New York Jets. Recording a day earlier today, so tomorrow night I can watch my football Giants and hope that they could save their season uh, to get to 2-2 two two, uh, before they have two tough games coming up in Miami and Buffalo. But here we're going to break down everything that happened from week five of the college football season Talk a little bit about week four of the NFL season as well with our rookie report and our dynasty fantasy uh, stock report. But we started out where we start out every single week, and that is the NFL draft report for the 2024 NFL draft. We do that with our S2S first string and second string teams of the week. And then we take a look at our S2S Debbie team of the week in the Debbie slant, talking about some of the top underclassmen who are not draft eligible you maybe should be looking to get on your Debbie teams now as well. So let's get right into it with the first string team of the week for week five. Finally get to bring him up and that is Mr. Caleb Williams out of USC. He beats Colorado. He helps the Trojans beat Colorado this past week 48 to 41. He had 30 of 40 for 403 yards and six touchdowns. And to be honest with you, if that game was closer from the from the start, I think it could have been seven or eight touchdowns. I think USC took the foot off the gas a little bit there. Uh, the first string running back of the week was Ray Davis out of Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky rolled over the Florida Gators 33-14. Ray Davis had 26 carries for 280 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, the first string wide receiver of the week was Taj Washington out of USC. He had eight catches for 117 yards and one touchdown in that game against Colorado. In the first string tight end of the week, back-to-back weeks, Brock Bowers just standing far above the rest out of Georgia. Georgia comes back and beats Auburn 27-20, a little bit of a scare there for the Bulldogs. Brock Bowers, eight catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown, putting up you know numbers that we do not usually see a tight end put up for sure. So let's start with the USC duo. You know, Obviously, Caleb Williams... The consensus first pick next year, listen, I I get that maybe some teams might, you know, prefer Drake May, and I know some teams are intrigued with, you know, Shadu Sanders, but I mean, I think some of this is just creating a little bit of a storyline. I don't see a scenario where Caleb Williams is not the first pick in the 2024 NFL draft. Right now, with the Bears holding their own pick and holding the Carolina Panthers pick, uh, from that trade last year. I think the Bears are right now are clear in, in the front run in terms of being the best uh, spot for Caleb Williams. You know, Caleb Williams' dad has came out and said, you know, he could go back to college if, if they don't like the scenario. Listen, we see what Chicago, you know, and I know Justin Fields had a bounce back week statistically this year, this week, even though they, they uh, blew the game and got the loss. We've seen the mess at times of, of what Caleb Williams, I mean, what Justin Fields has been going through. Is that one of those scenarios where, you know, Caleb, his dad, his team might say, you know what, we're going to go back to USC another year. 
you know, the NIL money, you know, gives them a lot more security than what it used to. And we're going to, we're going to wait for a better situation potentially. I, I still think it's a long shot, but you know, there's been enough critique out there about the bears and that, that if, if it is the bears who hold that first pick and they do have two shots, but you know, like I said, with holding their own pick and the Panthers pick, it's at least something to keep in the back of your mind. But when you watch him play, man, he, he's so special. I watched that Colorado game start to finish. You know, he makes things look easy. He makes plays where it would look like it should be a really hard play. And he makes it look simple. His ability to play off structure, his ability to throw from multiple arm angles and multiple platforms, uh, his ability to, you know, buy time in the pocket, move around, but keep his eyes downfield, take off and run when he needs to, uh, change the, the velocity. Uh, you know, if does he need to put more on it, does he need to put less on it and put more touch on it? You know, he really is the complete player. And like I said, you know, when we studied him in the summer, I think he's going to be the most highly regarded quarterback coming out since Andrew Locke. I think he's going to be superior than what Trevor Lawrence was coming out in terms of people. He might not fit the prototype that Trevor Lawrence did, checking off every box, you know, size, everything. But I, but I think Caleb Williams is going to be a more highly regarded prospect, just how special of a player he is. And he just seems to make everything look so easy. And let's not be let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, they've had good playmakers, they have a good scheme, but they don't have this great team around him. Their defense is terrible. Their O line is okay. They don't have an elite running back. So it's not like he's just sitting there like, you know, like on this stacked team, like, you know, Ohio State teams from the past where the wide receivers just make things look so easy. Caleb Williams has not had that privilege. And he still put up these, you know, these mind, you know, staggering numbers that he's done. And this year, you know, listen, everyone expected, you know, Dorian Singer, Mario Williams, and Taj Washington has really been impressive in the early going here. So I kind of wanted to throw him out there as a new name. You know, he's only 5'10", 175 pounds, and, and that profile is pretty similar to like Mario Williams. But I mean, Taj Washington, he's up to 18 catches, 395 yards, and five touchdowns on the year. You know, he's putting together a really strong statistical year right now uh, in this offense. So I thought he deserved a shout out this week, kind of pairing him there with his quarterback in Caleb Williams. You know, so the the small diminutive speedster there in Washington, you know, can make things happen after the catch, can get vertical, interesting player there, Washington. Uh, you know, we knew somebody was going to emerge with, with Jordan Addison moving on. And, you know, Washington is really you know, see some of this opportunity in the early going of the college football season. Brock Bowers, listen, there's not much more to say. I, I think the question will continue to be top five, top 10, top 15. Like, I, I still say top 15, uh, but but he's a show prospect. So if it's in the, the back half of the top 10, I would not be surprised. But I mean, like, you just don't see even special talents like this. You don't really see numbers statistically that Brock Bowers is doing, you know, week in and week out. Uh, we know Kyle Pitts was considered a unicorn prospect. I think the I think the consensus might be that Brock Bowers is even a better prospect than what Kyle Pitts was coming out, uh, and not saying a lot. I mean, because Kyle Pitts went over, you know, went ahead of some flat out superstars because of how much of a unicorn people considered him, and you know, is he not living up to the hype because him? Is it is it the team, the scheme? Is it a combination of both? You know, right now we don't really know. Uh, but but we do know Bowers is a special talent, and, and you know he's one of those guys that you know at some point we'll just have to stop putting him on this list because like unless 
you know, they're such staggering numbers because we could put them on here every single week because he's just going to have the numbers that resemble so much better than almost every other tight end in the country. Uh, Ray Davis out of Kentucky, I, I wanted to get him on there because the five foot ten, two 216-pound senior running back, he's up to 600 yards now and eight touchdowns on the year. Obviously, when you go for 280 and three, that's going to make the whole season look good. But, I mean, he still had 320 other yards going into this game and five touchdowns already. Putting together a really strong senior year. Kentucky with the big win over Florida this week. You know, Davis is a guy that I, I think we got to get on our radar a little bit. I want to do a little bit of a deeper dive so I get more comfortable, you know, with his game. I, you know, I watched some of that game this past weekend, and I came away impressed. But, you know, I don't like to really start delving into what I think about the overall package, the athleticism, the burst, the speed, the you know, the vision, patience until I watch a little bit more of him. But he's a guy now that performance puts him on the radar. Performances like that put him on the radar for things like the Senior Bowl or the East-West Shrine Bowl or the NFLPA Bowl. It puts him on the radar for, for people like myself and other people who, who, who enjoy doing this on the side, you know, to, to watch him and, and, and know him about him a little bit better, bring him to the forefront a little bit. So that, that's what Ray Davis is doing this week, you know, with that performance. If we take this to the second string team of the week, uh, we'll start with Jackson Dart out of Ole Miss. He beat LSU 55-49. The, the Ole Miss upsets LSU. Dart was 26 of 39, 389 yards and four touchdowns. Also chipped in a rushing touchdown. The SS running back second string team of the week was Jonathan Brooks out of Texas. Texas rolled over Kansas 40-14. to Jonathan Brooks had 218 yards and two touchdowns. The second-string wide receiver of the week is Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU. Back to that Auburn-LSU, you know, high-scoring affair. He had eight catches for 124 yards, three touchdowns. And then the second-string tight end of the week was Eric Wall out of Iowa. Last year of, out of Michigan, he helped Michigan State. Uh, he helped Iowa beat Michigan State 26-16. He had four catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Listen, we'll start with Jackson Dart, you know, in that Ole Miss-LSU game. You know, this is a guy who's been on a little bit of a Debbie Darling for quite some time, and this is one of maybe you can make the case, arguably his best performance in, in his collegiate career, you know, versus LSU. I know LSU is not a juggernaut defense anymore, but 55 points uh, leading Ole Miss to the upset over LSU. I mean, when people were excited about him and had him higher up in Debbie ranks, I think these were the type of games that people thought maybe he had in his repertoire. So it was good to see him put this type of game, you know, and we kind of see if this catapults, you know, his his season here, you know, and, and maybe get people talking about him a little bit. But really impressive performance uh, from Dart this past week. Uh, so let's stay in that game. You know, Brian Thomas out of LSU. Listen, we've talked a lot about Malik Neighbors. He's my number two wide receiver for the 2024 NFL draft. I think he's a potential top 10, top 15 type player. But Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU, Jr., six foot four, 205. So another one of those prototypes. He has, he's up to 33 catches, 537 yards, and five touchdowns. So, I mean, he's putting together, you know, right now, statistically, you know, he's right there with Malik Neighbors. So I think you're going to start hearing Brian Thomas Jr.'s name thrown into the mix a little bit more. I mean, LSU, he's got the pedigree, he's got the college right there, you know, and then he's putting up these statistics and he's doing it alongside Malik Neighbors, you know, so people are watching Malik Neighbors and, and they're going to be impressed with this kid as well. Uh, so he's a new name that I wanted to bring to the forefront again. I haven't watched him a, a lot, just really honed in on him. 
Obviously, I watched a couple LSU games start to finish this year. Uh, and, and I've came away impressed with Ryan Thomas Jr. as as a legitimate draftable prospect. So he's a guy I, I want to kind of dig into the film a little bit more on. Uh, Jonathan Brooks out of Texas, you know, we were wondering who was going to replace the production of obviously B. John Robinson, but not just B. John Robinson, but also Roshan Johnson. Uh, so B. John and Roshan now in the NFL, Jonathan Brooks has been the guy that's kind of emerged, you know, former four-star recruit. He's six feet, 207 pounds. He runs tough. He has 600 yards already on the season and five touchdowns, you know? So yeah, this big game obviously helps, but I mean, he, he's been productive for most of this season. Uh, and he's kind of came to the forefront there in that Texas run game. And then Eric Hall was a name that last summer, not the summer that just passed, the summer prior to that, when we were taking a look at the 2023 NFL draft prospects, Eric Hall was a guy who was pretty high. I remember Dame Brugler having him pretty high on his tight end list. There was a lot of people intrigued with Eric Hall going into last year's college football season. Obviously, it was, a, it, you know, he got hurt. Luke Schoonmaker kind of ran with that job then. Eric All, you know, doesn't play much, doesn't produce much, ends up transferring. Obviously, he didn't come out last year. Now a little bit, you know, behind in the, in the spotlight. Luke Lachey is there at Iowa, but we know Iowa produces tight ends. And, you know, Eric All is a guy who I think, you know, his former, you know, went to Michigan, was a, was a highly regarded prospect, was highly regarded before the 2023 college football season, I mean, before the 2022 college football season started. You know, it didn't materialize there, but now he goes to Iowa. We've seen them produce tight ends. We've seen them come, you know, tight ends from Iowa come to the league. You know, very fundamentally sound, better athletes than we give him credit for, better pass catchers than we think. You know, and Eric Hall is one of those guys that, yeah, he's not going to, you know, put, he's not going to see the anywhere near the targets of some of the other top tight ends in the country, you know, especially Sharon with Lachey there. But he's a guy that is intriguing nonetheless. So I thought he's a fun name to bring up there. And then our one honorable mention from uh, the NFL draft report and the teams of the week here for the draft eligible guys was Jaden Daniels. I mean, you know, we talked about Caleb Williams, we talked about Jackson Dart, but, you know, Jaden Daniels in the LSU game brings LSU all the way back, almost comes all the way back to to beat uh, Ole Miss after they fell way behind early on. You know, 27 of 36, 414 yards and four touchdowns. You know, we've talked about Brian Thomas Jr. before. We've obviously talked at length about Malik Neighbors. But Jaden Daniels is, is the guy who's piloting, you know, that that team right now. And he's putting together statistical numbers that, like I just mentioned in the past, I didn't think he was capable of. And he's now building off of it. It's not one week and then it, it it's week to week now. You're seeing Jaden Daniels put it together. And you're seeing this LSU offense become a juggernaut in terms of production. And it, it's coming from Malik Neighbors, it's coming from Thomas, it's coming from Daniels himself. So I think Jane Daniels has now thrown himself into the mix to maybe be looked at as a day two guy uh, and an intriguing quarterback prospect in his own right. The growth and development he has shown, teams want to see that. And I think we've seen a lot of it over Jaden Daniels since he's now, you know, from where he started at Arizona State to now where he is at LSU. Let's shift this over to the Debbie slant and let's talk about the SS Debbie team of the week. Now, again, we talked in the past that we were going to force this. I didn't see any quarterbacks that really stood out. We, we, we've talked a lot about Drew Lahr. We've talked about Cabe Klunick. We, you know, we've talked about, you know, a couple other guys. It, instead of reiterating the same thing, if something doesn't stand out, just like at the tight end position, there's not a lot of underclassmen, uh, non-draft eligible tight ends, you know, who are right now are very high on the radar. 
So this week I got three names for you. It's two running backs. It's one wide receiver. They make up our SS Devi team of the week for week five. Quinchon Judkins, running back out of Ole Miss. He helped Ole Miss win that game over LSU. He had 33 carries for 177 yards and one touchdowns. Fans of Quinchon Judkins have been waiting for this breakout game this year. This was his moment. 177 yards carrying a heavy, heavy workload there as well. Another wide receiver, I mean, another running back who is very high up on Debbie Ranks is Jaden Ott out of California. He helped Cal beat Arizona State 24-21. He carried 29 times for 165 yards and one touchdown. And then Tyler Brown out of Clemson. He helped the Tigers beat uh, the Orangemen 31-14. He had nine catches for 153 yards. But the thing that I think stands out is, is Tyler Brown's putting together a very strong year for for uh a very early underclassman. He has 21 catches for 316 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, so we've talked a lot, you know, in the past about Clemson wide receivers. Obviously, Antonio Williams is the guy that's very high on people's Debbie ranks, you know, from uh, Clemson. But it was Tyler Brown, who right now is off to a very good start to this the college football season. So he's a guy that, you know, listen, Clemson is not as good as they've been recently but there's still a very a lot of big time recruits a lot of big time prospects go there Tyler Brown is making a name for himself as a guy who I think is going to start climbing up some Debbie boards a little bit as this year goes on and as we go into the offseason uh you know when we reshuffle the deck a little bit in our Debbie ranks I think Quinchon Junkin listen I have some question marks about you know his speed his burst his athleticism but he's got great vision he runs tough uh, quick feet. So Judkins is a guy who some people might have a little bit higher up on their Debbie ranks. I I like him. I do. Uh, but but he's one of those guys that I don't think I'm as high as into as some people. Uh, you know, for me, you know, I have him at number eight. I think there's other people who probably have him in their top three or top four in terms of Debbie ranks. Uh, for me, he's at eight, and he's kind of in a big group there where he can go down a little bit. He can go up a little bit. Uh, but that's where I have him right now. And then uh, Jay Knott is a guy that I, I think he's a guy who you're going to see stock rise this year, next summer, going into next season. Uh, I think you'll see Jay Knott's, you know, shine continue to get brighter and brighter as this year goes on. And I think he could push his way to very close in the mix to a guy like Quinshawn Judkins in Debbie ranks and an overall you know, draft grades when we start to see, you know, people say, you know, who are the top five running backs for this class and stuff. I think we're going to see Jane Ott make a move up there for sure. Okay, so there's the college stuff for this week, guys. It wasn't a, you know, wasn't a ton of huge matchups. Obviously, we had that LSU Ole Miss game, which which was fun to watch. The USC Colorado, like I said, the final score was showed a competitive game, but I, I don't, I watched that game. I never felt like USC was ever really in any real danger there. Uh, you know, we saw Georgia be, you know, tested a little bit, a little bit of a surprise there. We saw a good game, you know, Notre Dame, uh, Duke, but not, no real ramifications except the Riley Leonard injury, the quarterback out of Duke. Uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on that because he's a guy who's very much in that potential early day two mix, potentially, you know, in that QB three to QB five range. Uh, so we will be, you know, no, no word yet on the severity of that ankle injury. It looked pretty serious. I'd be surprised if he was playing, you know, in the near future. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to speculate right now. So let's turn this to the NFL for week four. 
Let's start with the NFL rookie report. Uh, Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud continue to really be impressive as rookie quarterbacks. The Colts fell way behind to the Rams this week. And Anthony Richardson led the Colts back and sent, he brought that game into overtime. They ended up losing. His final stat line in terms of passing doesn't look great. 11 of 25, 200 yards and two touchdowns. Another 10 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. But his ability to make plays, his ability to do what he's doing, to play from behind, the people who were down on Anthony Richardson, they might have looked at this game and thought there was no chance that he can... The questions that people had on him, they might say there's no chance that he can lead a team back where he's got to be the engine. He's got to be the focal point with his arm, not his legs. And he was making play after play to get them back in the game, not just with his legs, but also with his arms, you know, you know, doing different things, manipulating defenses, very cool, calm and collected. There's a lot of rookie year Cam Newton vibes going on with Anthony Richardson, but I think the ceiling is higher. I think the natural throwing ability is higher. I don't think, you know, I just think the mechanics and stuff is just cleaner with Anthony Richardson. You know, so you might get a guy who's built like Cam Newton, but literally, like, can become, you know, Jalen Hurts in terms of his passing ability. Maybe even better. I think he's got natural, like, arm talent better than than Jalen Hurts. But you're talking about a guy who the sky is really the limit for, for Anthony Richardson. And I was one of his biggest supporters since the first week of the last college football season. And before the last season even started, I talked about how much I loved Anthony Richardson. And he could have been in the mix and he was going to be the first quarterback taken in all rookie drafts. And people thought I was crazy because there was Bryce Young and there was C.J. Stroud. You know, but I just saw the talent that this guy has. And this is why the analytics and the stats and that stuff, that's why. Analytics can say what you want them to say. I don't care what Anthony Richardson looked at, looked at, at times at Florida, the ball placement, the inaccuracy. If you watch the traits, the NFL is a traits-based league. And he just, the same reason why I love Josh Allen when he came out. Anthony Richardson had all the traits. If you have the traits, you bet on the traits, and then you hope that the rest of the the development and progression needed comes for the ride. Because if you don't have the traits, it's very hard to be successful at the next level. You could have all the other intangibles. You could have all the other stuff. You could have production, but that production can be very skewed based on stuff. Anthony Richardson, it was obvious that he had the talent and he had the traits. And now we're seeing in, in a team that is a, and a coaching staff and a scheme that has been created for him, we, we are seeing him shine and be a better passer than we've ever expected. We've seen him, you know, be or, or quicker than we ever anticipated, maybe is the, the best, better way to say it. So I continue every week to come away impressed with Anthony Richardson, the ceiling is sky high for him. CJ Stroud, I mean, the Texans rolled over Pittsburgh. And I know Pittsburgh has issues on the offensive side. But C.J. Stroud was just carving up their defense as uh, Pittsburgh's defense. He grew for 306 yards and two touchdowns. Continues to show, you know, how special of a prospect he is and all the hoopla. I mean, Houston might have got it right. You know, like, there was a, I, I was I pushed back a lot on that trade, and I still think they overpaid to come back up, you know, and take Will Anderson. But they seemed adamant that they wanted Stroud and Anderson, and this is what they were they were willing to give up that future first. But if they if they nail the quarterback pick, it doesn't really matter. Nothing else really matters because then they won't need they wouldn't need that pick at the top of the draft this year for a quarterback. Uh, that pick they end up 
might be, you know, sending out, you know, maybe it's not nearly as high as we thought. And if Stroud is the long-term answer, then they don't need that pick near the top of the draft. It's nice, but it's not, it's more of a luxury, not a necessity if you got the quarterback already. Uh, if we take this to the running back position, you know, B. John was playing, you know, uh, they had that 9.30 a.m. game, 19 touches, 137 yards, continues to just show his otherworldly skill. But at the same time, you know, that offense continues to struggle. So we haven't seen him find the end zone too often besides I think that one pass catching touchdown on week one. But again, this week it's about Devin A. Chain again, or I guess the appropriate way now to call it is Devin A. Chan. Uh, doesn't want to be A. Chain anymore. Uh, A. Chan. Eight carries, 101 yards, two more rushing touchdowns, chipped in three catches, 19 yards. The Bills absolutely uh, put it to Miami. But when that game was close early on, it was it was A-Chan as the reason why it was close. And then he also showed his big playability. I think it was early in the third quarter. He had an explosive run. But this is going to be a guy that they're not, they're not going to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. Like, he had 11 touches this week. Most there, I think most there only had seven carries, so he out-carried him by one. I know Jeff Wilson's coming back. I know they like Savin Ahmed. But he's just too, he's a big play waiting to happen. It's Chris Johnson. It, it really is, you know, C2K, like it reincarnated who I thought he was. And I think he could handle a heavier workload. You saw him have a tough inside rushing touchdown this week as well, added a spread, but like he can do that. And then you get him in that Mike McDaniel scheme where teams are worrying about, you know, Tyreek and Waddle and all that stuff. And, and he just is going to find creases and find space. You know, I know Miami plays the Giants next week, and, you know, I'll be watching that game start to finish. I have no idea how the Giants are going to contain anything about the Dolphins' offense. You know, the Dolphins' offense next week can easily go right back to putting up a 47 spot because I don't know how the Giants have any answers for for Hill and Waddle, who hasn't even had a big game yet, Waddle. Um, and then now the, the the level of attention you need to make sure you're paying on, you know, Devin uh, HN right now because... If people are still questioning him, use that to your advantage. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the NFL Dynasty Report coming up. At the wide receiver position, you know, Puka Nakua, I mean, it's it's just getting ridiculous. I mean, he had a good matchup this week. You know, my DFS teams had him all over, but nine catches, 163 yards, and a touchdown. Like, I mean, you just don't see rookie wide receivers doing this. One game here or there, but the consistency. Like, it's going to be fascinating to see when Cooper Cup comes back. You know exactly, but he's not just doing the straight Cooper Cup ride. He's do he's playing more of the Robert Woods role. So I think there's enough to go around. I mean, obviously he's going to lose volume. You know the Cooper Cup. You know Cooper Cup warrants a ton of volume as we've seen over his career. But you know it's going to be fun to watch these guys as a duo together. Uh, it's going to be interesting, and I think the question starts to become. I know I've said this before, and I don't think it's going to. I think this year they've shown enough now that it's not going to be a thing this year, but. Cooper Cup's older than we think. If at some point they hit the reset button, at some point if they say, okay, Stafford's going to retire or he wants to go somewhere else to end his career, do they think about, okay, what can we get for Cooper Cup? Can it help us get to the next wave of guys? And now with Pukunuku in town, I think it's even a more realistic scenario to at least discuss at some point down the line. But due to their success early to start the year here, I think that leads to that conversation probably not being about this year, but maybe being about next offseason or next year's deadline or something like that. 
Sam Laporta played on Thursday night, but just continues to be an integral part of that Lions pass offense. It'll be interesting to see if any if there's a usage role in terms of his looks and targets with Jamison Williams' suspension being immediately uh, you know, down to four games with some changes in that policy. So Jamison Williams set to come back next week. Uh, I'm sure he's going to need some time to fully, you know, get the reps that they want him to and the, the you know, the snap counts and stuff. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if Laporta's looks are impacted at all. Let's not lose sight that they love Jamison Williams. They traded way up last year to come get Jamison Williams last year, you know, to pair him with Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, their, their, their puzzle pieces really are, are, are picturesque. If Jamison Williams becomes the guy they think he could be, with the ability that Amon Ra has to just uncover and create space at all three levels, Jamison Williams' big playability now vertically down the field, Laporta, Jameer Gibbs out of backfield doing his thing, you know, they, they're going to have, you know, they, they have the makings there to, to be like another greatest show on turf type thing. And, and it's kind of funny, like we serve off with the Rams and, and they have a lot of success. You know, and now he's 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 in this scenario where if these guys pan out, he's he's got all these weapons again, all these guys with speed and big playability. You know, from the wide receivers, the running back, the tight end, it's going to be a fun offense to watch over the next couple of years, uh, for sure. Let's spin this over to the NFL fantasy dynasty report for this week. A couple of things I want to talk about. I already mentioned Devin Hitchin. I want to let the listeners know he's up to twelfth in my overall RB dynasty rankings. I know it's aggressive, but I want I would still be aggressive in trying to get him now. Some people might still be worried it's not sustainable. He's still only seen, you know, like 10 carries a week. And if that's their plan, he can't be a fantasy superstar. He can't be a, a RB12 in dynasty ranks. But when I look at my dynasty overall ranks and I look at the running back position, you know, the guys that have over him right now are B. John Robinson, Christian McCaffrey, Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Jameer Gibbs, Austin Eckler, Travis Ethian, Josh Jacobs, and Kenneth Walker. Right now, you want Ramondre Stevenson over Devin Etchin moving forward? I don't anymore. You want Javante Williams? I don't. James Cook? Really, really intrigued by James Cook, but Josh Allen's there. He's basically the goal line runner. They haven't shown the, the willingness yet to hand James Cook that. Nick Chubb coming off another major injury, a lot of wear and tear. Derrick Henry doesn't look like the same player. Joe Mixon had to take a huge pay cut just to come back to Cincinnati. Who knows what his career looks like. DeAndre Swift is rejuvenated, but he's on a one-year deal here for Phil- at Philadelphia. So, like, yeah, I, I 12's aggressive. But if you think he's going to be a guy that even if he's a guy who's going to be a 14 to 16 touch player, I think he warrants that ranking. I don't think a lot of people have him at that ranking. I know it's going to be hard to get him after six touchdowns in the last two weeks combined. Wait for him to have a bad week. Wait for him to go eight carries for 30 yards and him not find the end zone. And then you strike. That's when I would, that's what I would be. My strong recommendation would be. So that's my move right now. Don't try to buy him this week. Inevitably, he's going to have a bad week. The volume is just not that high yet. But don't don't confuse this year's volume with what next year's volume might be or the year after. Same thing with Jameer Gibbs, right? Like, this isn't going to be his volume indefinitely. David Montgomery has been very good this year. He fits that Lions, he fits that Lions offense perfectly also. So Jameer Gibbs is in people's top 10, dynasty rankings, RB position. I, I said it before draft, I'll say it again. 
I don't think the talent disparity between Devin Achan and Jameer Gibbs was all that high. I thought they should have been a couple picks separating them. It obviously ended up being a lot more with Jameer Gibbs going all the way at 12 and, and Devin Achan falling all the way to, you know, later part of round three. But I, but I think an aggressive ranking and an aggressive offers now in Dynasty makes a lot of sense for him. Other things I wanted to get into for this week, you know, Christian McCaffrey's dominant just is is at another level. And I'm not sure we truly under-realize what McCaffrey might have in store for him a full year. We all looked at like, oh, Christian McCaffrey's great. How much great, how much better can he be? He didn't have, you know, Kyle Shanahan in that scheme. He didn't have the 49ers offensive line. He didn't have playmakers all over the offense that teams have to make sure they, they account for. He came over last year. He was good, very good. But I know I the fact that like he wasn't even in consideration for number one pick in redraft. He wasn't even in consideration for number two. And I had a number two pick, and I'm kicking myself that I took Jamar Chase over Christian McCaffrey in an FFPC draft. Because right now I have a really good team. I'd have maybe far and away the best team in the league if I took Christian McCaffrey instead of Jamar Chase. Hindsight being 2020, right? Jamar Chase has got off to a very slow start. Joe Burrow looks lost. That whole Bengals offense looks lost. And, and McCaffrey's... But I just feel like there was a lot... There was more worrying about Christian McCaffrey. Maybe he's going to lose touches to Elijah Mitchell. Maybe, you know... But I don't think we took enough into account just how great of an offense, just how great of a play caller, and the fact that this is the best O-line he's ever played behind, the best group of playmakers... And first full year in San Francisco, they are showing no unwillingness to not use him and use him heavily. And he might be on the trajectory to have his best career, uh, season in his already unbelievable career. Uh, and, and I'm not sure we were appropriately, you know, putting him where he could just break basically fantasy again this year based on the setup he has there right now. Let's stick with San Francisco, his teammate, Brandon Ayuk. Go buy him now. Go buy him now. Go buy him now. I said that about Tony Pollard maybe two years ago, and then all last year I kept banging the table, banging the table that Tony Pollard is going to end up being the next Austin Eckler-type player when his time came. Well, look around now. Tony Pollard is like a top five, six running back in most people's ranks every week for redraft leagues, for dynasty leagues. Like That's what you're talking about for Tony Pollard. Brandon Ayuk, whether it's in San Francisco at some point when they maybe, if they choose to move on from Debo, but most likely, Brandon Ayuk's going to leave San Francisco. It's going to be hard for them to pay him with the McCaffrey contract, with the George Kittle contract, with the Debo contract. Now, maybe, listen, maybe they move on from Kittle. Maybe they move on from Debo to try to make sure Brandon Ayuk doesn't get out of the building. That's what they should do. If you're taking my advice, don't let Brandon Ayuk get out of the building. They should be more willing to give up George Kittle and try to replace what he brings in spots or Debo Samuel than Brandon Ayuk. But if the because of that, wait till Brandon Ayuk has one of those weeks where he catches three or four passes for 40 yards, and I would aggressively go to try to buy him. Because whether he leaves San Francisco as a free agent or they make moves to move on from Debo or Kittle, Brandon Ayuk is going to be a star wide receiver with wide receiver one upside when the, the when he gets that true opportunity. It's happening. It's going to happen. There are people for years have been telling you Brandon Ayuk is a special player. 
Matt Harmon, reception, perception, other type things out there. Brandon Ayuk is a guy that I would want to go get now. Enjoy what he brings you now, but then be ready for the elite production that I think is coming down the line from him. I think he's a special player. Uh, the tight end position, if you're in need of tight end help, go check in on the Jake Ferguson owner. Make sure that he's being appropriately valued because he is seamlessly taking over the Dalton Schultz role. Dak Prescott loved throwing to the tight end. So unless Dallas is planning on moving on from, from Dak Prescott, and I don't think they are, uh, Jake Ferguson is, is one of those guys that is, it's not sexy, it's not fun, the ceiling's not super high, but reliable. This is a guy who they look for over and over down the seam, in the red zone. I know, you know, they invested, you know, last year in the draft early in a rookie tight end. But I think this is Ferguson's job right now. And he is seizing that role. And I think he's a guy that would be an intriguing dynasty buy. Because I think what you end up happening is you get people who are, one, concerned about Luke Schoonmaker, how high they took him. Two, you know, they think that, you know, anybody, they think it's plug and play. And maybe it is plug and play. But right now, Ferguson's, it's going to be hard for Shoemaker to take the job from Ferguson. Once upon a time, Jake Ferguson was a, was a, a little bit of a Debbie Darling in college. He broke out, had a great, I think it was either freshman year or whatever, you know, and he ended up having, an, you know, a, a solid co- collegiate career. But I, I, I watch him play, and I walk away. I think he's, I think he's a better player than what Dalton Schultz was for them. And you know, we're seeing Dalton Schultz have a very minimal role in Houston because I think he's probably an average player. I think Jake Ferguson might be a better talent than than Dalton Schultz. And now he's in this offense. So just if you're if you're in need of a tight end, I would just check in on the Jake Ferguson owner. See if see what they think of him. See if they're valuing him as a guy who might be a low tight end one. And I know there's a lot of guys who can be in the low tight end one mix, but this is a guy who the setup there right now is pretty pristine for how much they want to involve him in different facets of their offense. And then last but not least, Joe Burrow. I wouldn't panic. I don't know if this is injury related. I'm not really sure what's going on, but we know Joe Burrow is one of the most talented quarterbacks, you know, in the national football league. We know he missed time in, in, you know, missed all preseason, he re-injured himself, you know, I think it was after week two. I don't think anybody would be panicking. But if there's somebody who really does panic quickly and for some reason they're not appropriately valuing Joe Burrow the way that he should be, then you make an aggressive offer and go get him. If you have him, you don't get worried. He'll be fine. He'll figure it out. If it's not, if it's not this year due to the injury or something, at some point, well, it'll be eventually. He's too talented of a player. He's tied to the hip to Jameer. Him and Jameer Chase are tied to the hip, you know, at the hip. Jameer Chase is one of the most talented wide receivers in football. So don't panic about Joe Burrow is my last dynasty tip of the night. Check in on the owner who has him and make sure he's still fully valuing him at what he should as basically a top five dynasty, you know, fantasy quarterback. Uh and if he's not for some reason, then make an aggressive offer to, to go get him uh, because I just think it's more sooner rather than later. They'll find their way this year. Or if it's the injury thing, the injury will clear up and, and we'll see Joe Burrow being the Joe Burrow that we know uh, and, and put up the numbers that, that we expect from him. 
So there it is, guys, the NFL Rookie Report and the NFL Dynasty Fantasy Restock Report for week four of the NFL season on top of the NFL Draft Report and the Debbie Slam where we shared our SS teams of the week for week five. If you're enjoying this content, please, 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 please get over to the website, ssfootball.com, fastest and easiest way to get there. Check out our premium content tab, guys, $9.99. There's not much in the world anymore you can get for $9.99. Uh... That purchase helps us tremendously continue to do what we do here at Saturday, Sunday. Everything, every sale that we make goes right back into the company, pay for the servers, pay for the subscription fees, everything that we need to continue to bring you the podcast uh, without putting anything behind a paywall or anything like that. So, so please, if you've been a longtime listener but never bought the notebooks, uh, consider purchasing them if, if you're new to us. You know, check them out. I, we really think you'll enjoy them. For $9.99, you get three notebooks total. You immediately get access to our rankings notebook, uh, all our different rankings, uh, draft eligible, Devi, Dynasty Rookie Rankings, overall positional dynasty after the next draft, 2024 Dynasty Rookie Rankings, IDP Rookie Rankings. Uh, you get the Scouting Notebook, which has detailed player profiles and almost 100 you know draft eligible prospects already. Uh, strengths, fundamental, uh, functional areas, developmental areas, uh, how they win, NFL roles, scheme fit, fantasy spin. Uh, you get that. And then in April, you get the final and third notebook, and that is the draft projections notebook, tabs for every position, offense and defense, ranking them based on how we expect them from everything we are hearing and reading come off the board uh, on draft weekend. Notes on almost 400 players in there. Uh, offense and defense, a projected big board for the first round, the first three rounds, and the first seven rounds, trying to accurately predict as many people as possible that go in each of those uh, parts of the draft. It really helps us out, guys. If you can't purchase the premium notebooks, please, wherever you listen to the podcast, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe there just to help us out there. Or if you ever want to watch the video instead of the podcast, uh, you can check out every podcast there as well. So, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano, and myself, thank you for joining us. I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>